Welcome to the Focus on Agriculture podcast, where we address topics relevant to today's consumers and farmers. I'm Preston Schrader. And I'm Jason Carr. Preston and I are technology development reps, or TDRs, for Bear Crop Science. As TDRs, our primary mission is to help solve agronomic challenges that farmers face and to understand how to best utilize the bear suite of products, including traits, genetics, crop protection, as well as digital tools, to create solutions that are tailored to each grower's unique farm. We have a couple goals with this podcast, the first being to help farmers across the country to address challenges that they face throughout the growing season while introducing them to game-changing technology that has the potential to radically benefit their farming practices. We also want to provide the consumers of ag commodities who are not necessarily involved in agriculture with information about the practices farmers engage in and the reasons behind them, hopefully provide a greater level of understanding and comfort with how their food is produced. Our guest today is Lisa Granadino, Vice President of U.S. Technology Development for Bayer Crop Science. Welcome, Lisa. Would you start out by giving us a little bit about your background, uh, your career trajectory, and your current role? Sure. First, thank you very much for having me. It's an honor to be here with you. Um, So I'll go kind of far back. I am from Wisconsin originally. I grew up in rural Wisconsin on a hobby farm, so my grandparents were dairy farmers. We had one milking cow that we milked by hand. We had uh, chickens that we went and got eggs, um, you know, a big garden and such. So I grew up in rural Wisconsin, kind of that was my first experience. Uh, When I started college, I realized that I wanted to be outdoors and not indoors. So I started working as a crop consultant. Uh, At the time, they asked me, can you drive stick shift? I said, yes, I can. And I had never driven stick shift before (laughs) in my life. And I quickly learned how to do it so I could be qualified for the job. And I started um, doing crop consulting in seed potatoes. There's a lot of uh, seed potatoes up where I grew up. Um, So that was really what introduced me to agriculture. And I fell in love with it very quickly. And I changed my major in college from genetics uh, to plant pathology. So I got my undergrad in plant pathology. Um, and then I moved on and got my master's in entomology. So I continued on in agriculture, always with a applied kind of slant to it. So my, um, my research was really looking at um, uh, researching carrots, working with growers in large-scale fields and doing uh, experiments with insecticides. And I always wanted to be able to do something that growers could use. I didn't want to be doing research for research's sake, if you will. I wanted to make sure it was going to be something that the growers could use immediately. So that's really how I started my career. Uh, From there, I went to South Dakota, and I worked doing small plot research for a potato company uh, in South Dakota. So it was very, I would say, standard kind of research, small plot, worked with the industry to decide which insecticides we should spray, would spread on our farm, would collect the data and then make our decisions on what we wanted to do for an insecticide um, program for the following year and then gave the data, of course, back to the industry. So that's how I got my start. I briefly left agriculture. My husband got a job in Florida and I completely got out of the industry and went and worked in a clothing retail store. Um, And that was a great experience because although it was a different industry, um, it could translate a lot into what we do in egg and what we do in business. You know, I was responsible for hiring people, training people, um, marketing, uh, looking at what our goals were for the day and for the month. Um, so it gave me a, a more business perspective than I had had in my previous experiences. Um, that was great. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I had this 
uh, longing to get back into agriculture. So I was out for about three years, and I really missed it. Uh, there's something about planting and harvesting that I still get very nostalgic about, that I'm like, you just, you know, the smell of the dirt and everything else that I really missed. And so that's when I um, interviewed for a position at Monsanto uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. So I actually worked in the South for a few years uh, in the sales organization. Nice. Yeah. I forgot you're a fellow bug nerd. I am a fellow <laughs> bug nerd, you know, and people will sometimes be like, what's this bug? And I'm like, I don't know. I learned how to kill bugs. I didn't learn how to identify all of them. But, uh, yeah, that's really how I got my start and, and still have a love for entomology and, and all things egg. And, and on top of that, I think you probably know more about potatoes than anyone I've ever talked to, it sounds like. so. I, I, you know what is really exciting? So now that with the integration into bear, um, I've got – potatoes and hort back into my market and so i'm thrilled to go and talk to the folks that have potatoes again because it's been a long time since i've worked in potatoes and carrots and i'm going to be back in that market so it's great mm-hmm. perfect yeah so can you tell us about your you told us what brought you to this point tell mm-hmm. us a little bit about your current role now what are your responsibilities now yeah so currently um i'm responsible for the technology development organization at bayer for the u.s So what that means is essentially we have a team of about 100 field researchers throughout the entire U.S. um, that focuses on testing our products right before product launch and shortly after product launch. So typically the way I describe it to people is this. If you think about our organization at Bayer in three different steps, we've got our technology organization that's very early pipeline and discovery. Um, and they bring things to market or they bring things forward right before uh, the handoff to the technology development organization that we're a part of. Uh, we take it from there and we test it to make sure that it has a regional fit, that we understand the product placement within the regions more specifically, more than technology would be a little bit broader. Um, and, you know, we work at um, really understanding more locally, and then we hand that information off to our sales organization and our agronomy organization to be able to position directly with the farmers uh, and growers and such. So as far as the different field uh, roles that are under your uh, leadership, how do those different roles fulfill the company's goals? So I've got three distinct roles within my organization. So I've got a crop protection TDR, that's technology development representative. I've got the TDR, which is uh, more focused on the systems. And then I have the agronomic research managers, the ARM. So those are the three roles that report up to me. And the reason we have three roles is because each one of them has got a specific um, area that they focus on in order to, you know, to to drive the company's goals. So the first one that I mentioned was the crop protection TDR. So now that we've got a much broader portfolio at Bayer, we want to make sure that we understand and are servicing that organization as much as we can. So those folks will be doing some testing, but it's going to be more focused on products that are already launched or products that are soon to be launched. Um, It's going to be working a lot with our key academics to get those products in the academics' hands so they can have experience with it so that when we bring it to market, 
the academics have already seen it, they've tested it, they've looked at it, and they can speak to it to our farmer customers um, through experience, not just through our words. Perfect. So the TDR role, the technology development representative that, that we have, is uh, really focused on systems. So where the crop protection TDR is looking specifically at crop protection, our TDRs are looking at all the different components and how they interact and can be integrated into a system that we can recommend to our farmers. Um, you know, that's something we certainly still do some component testing. That will always be an important part of being a scientist and a field researcher, and we will continue to do that. Um, but we really want to make sure that we understand the interactions between our products and our agronomic practices so that we can relay that information to all of our growers. The third role, then, is the agronomic research manager, and that is a very important role, the ARM. Uh, that person is responsible for more of the small plot replicated trials that I just spoke about. Uh, they're also critical in the compliance piece. They're also the folks that tend to have more of the equipment expertise in the field um, to help us keep you know, keep us up and running, uh, especially, you know, at this time guys. when we're, yeah, we need those guys <laughs> and gals so bad to keep us up and running. So those are the three roles within my organization. Great. So a few years ago, Bayer implemented this precision product placement initiative. And can you talk a little bit about that, what that means? That's kind of a phrase that maybe doesn't mean anything to a grower, but can you talk a little bit about what that is and how these um, employees fit into this strategy? Sure. Yeah. So Precision Product Placement, PPP, uh, was an initiative that we made about three or four years ago. So the decision was made about four years ago that we wanted to be able to represent better how farmers actually farm. Uh, and so our small plot research, you know, planters and combines are great for getting us very specific information, but we weren't sure how it translated into the bigger picture. So the PPP initiative was really to understand that bigger picture. So we have increased our footprint and are doing a lot of strip trials now. So the first year, we invested in about three sets of equipment, and that's you know planter and combine, and we're looking at being able to have everything outfitted with all the precision equipment that's available in the market today. Um, and so it started out small in 16, so that was three sets of equipment, and now we're up to 27 sets of equipment. So each PPP site that we have, I mean, it averages about 40 acres. So we are, we're truly farming these acres. It's, it's not just, you know, doing research. It's understanding how to farm that territory and be able to take that information and do the analysis to turn back around to the growers in the region and, and better understand our products. And, and we're speaking about commercially available equipment, correct? Yes. Yep. The same equipment that a grower would have access to today. Um, and again, we, we look at being able to have, you know, variable rates and being able to put multiple hybrids and doing all the things that we'd like to do to understand our products as best we can. I'd also say um, the geo-referenced piece is also very big for us because I think back you know, we used to say to you guys, look for the most uniform field that you can to do the research because we wanted to reduce variability, which is what you want to do when you're doing a test. Right. Um, but it's completely changed. So now, instead of saying, look for the most uniform field that you can, we want to have a field that has different soil types. 
because now we've got the ability to do an analysis by pulling out the soil types, which we didn't have before. So you can have, you know, variable rate nitrogen. You can have multiple hybrids. You can have multiple soil types. And we've got the ability to pull that information out, analyze it, and then have much more depth in our research than we've had before. So farmers also have access to this technology through platforms like Climate. Can you talk to the availability of this data, or I guess can you speak more to the capacity of a farmer to kind of conduct some of this type of data on his own farm as well? So, I mean, we use Climate Field View Drive, which is available to everybody and anybody who's interested in using it, and they can essentially do any sort of split planter design that they want on their field today, and that's what we use, so it, it would be the same technology. Um, so what we do essentially is we we put all of our research in FieldView Drive and have the ability to um, look at it and share it. So, you know, our TDRs and, and ARMs pull that information in, and they can share it back out to their agronomist, to their field sales rep, to whomever, to say this is what we found on this field. I personally love it, and the reason is, is because it, I'm a visual person, and it's very visual, and it's very quick, and you might not have all the analysis completed on it at that point, but in real time, you can see, um, you can see what's coming out. We have, uh, and this is in the cotton market, so it's a little bit south of where you guys are at, but we've got our, our product development manager who has all of our folks put their information in Climate Field View mm -hmm. and share their accounts with him. So he can see here in St. Louis, if they're harvesting in South Texas, I mean, he's got the ability to see that and what's coming out. So it's that first snapshot that he can start to look and see how varieties are performing, which is, it's great. Again, it's another technology that we haven't had at our fingertips before. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always like to tell growers, don't take our word for it. Well, do take our word for it because we do great research, and, and it's great to take our word for it. But then go to your own farm. You can use these tools, and you can verify it on your own farm, mm -hmm. and you can verify what we're telling you. So they have these great tools at their fingertips that are available to use to kind of ground truth the information that we're giving them. Yep. Great. So, Lisa, can you talk a little bit about the size and the scope of some of the research that's being conducted within your organization? Yep. So, I mean, I had mentioned that we've got about 100 field researchers, and uh, most of those researchers have their own site and location. So, I mean, there's a lot of spread amongst all those individuals across the U.S. And like I said, too, like now we've moved to more of the strip trials. I mean, we still have got our small plot replicated, but we also have more strip trials available. And we're farming anywhere from 40, I mean, some individuals, individuals are up to 80 acres. Um, you know, working with the grower, renting larger blocks of land, being able to really test and understand the products better on a larger scale, which I think has been, has been great because we're able to go to the growers and, and the farmers that we work with and have a conversation about how he or she is farming and how it relates to the research that we're doing. So you mentioned that some of some of our sites are up to 80 acres or even maybe in excess of that. Nationwide, do you how many acres about are we talking about that we're doing this kind of research on? Nationwide, I would say I don't have the exact numbers, but it'd be about 2500 acres. Wow. It's yeah. a significant amount of acreage. It's significant, and I would also say that we are one piece of a much larger puzzle. So 
In addition to the technology development organization, we've got our breeding team. So, and they're working specifically with our germplasm. So they have testing sites throughout the U.S. Uh, we've got our field solutions organization, who's working specifically with testing our new chemistry products coming down the pipeline. And then we have an entire testing program with agronomy, the market development plots that we put in our um, what we call FTN, Field Testing Network, uh, plots, which are geo-referenced um, plots with commercialized germplasm. So we're one piece, and to say 2,500, I mean, that's great, but um, I wish I had the number of how big we are in full scope because there's lots of other parts within Bayer that are doing lots of testing. It's kind of a drop in the <clears throat> bucket, so to speak. Yeah, yeah. And we do share... That information, so the information that comes from breeding, let's say, gets passed to TD, and we compile that information. So it, the, the amount of data essentially gets bigger and bigger and bigger each, with each year that passes and as we get closer to commercializing a product and even beyond. So when we have conversation with growers, a lot of times they really are very unaware of the extent of our research efforts. So as a company... What kinds of things are we doing to share that information? We're, we're working on doing a better job of, of sharing that information with growers and helping them make decisions. And what are some of the things that we're doing? We try to deliver the information in multiple different ways because um, every person is a little bit different, and some people like paper copies. I still like getting magazines and things in the mail. Not everybody likes that. Some people, I do too. You do too. <laughs> Some people like, uh, prefer getting things digitally. And so we're trying to provide information and the data in a various different mediums that people can digest however they want. So we do work through sending some of this information in postcards and like, you know, through mailers and things that have been more, the more traditional mechanism of, of communicating results. Of course, we're always going to have our meetings and our winter meetings uh, at the end of the year to let growers know how things have progressed in harvest. And then I think we're going to be relying on a lot of social media as well to relay that information because, again, it's very quick, it's timely, um, you can know e pretty much immediately what people are seeing in their fields. So you obviously have a passion for your uh, industry and what you do. What's your favorite part of your job? Th that is a great question. Um, it's a difficult one because it can go a lot of different ways. One of the things that really has called me to work in agriculture um, and for an agricultural company is our mission to feed the world. And, you know, it seems kind of maybe a little bit out there from what we do on a day-to-day -day basis. But when I look at our growing world population, um, the fact that a very small percentage of the world is actually farming, I think that puts a lot of social responsibility uh, on our growers, our, on our farmers. I also feel as though growers are the absolute best stewards of the land. And I don't think a lot of folks maybe in more urban areas really understand that. Um, but certainly I, I find that to be the case. So that drives me, I think, to, un, to see that we're contributing to being able to feed the world um, and the growing world population. So that, to me, when I look at high level, that's very motivating. The second piece about my job that I really love um, are the people that I work with. Uh, I think that, you know, within Bayer, we've got such a, 
a brilliant set of employees and researchers and people that are very dedicated to what they do. Um, it's hard work. I mean, we're far, we're out there farming and it's long hours and I certainly recognize that, but I see the passion that our people have and that motivates me to do more and, and provide more um, for the company and for our growers. Absolutely. Sometimes as a part of a large company, we get this kind of public image of this behemoth that's not necessarily um, made up of people. It's kind of looked at as this big entity, but when you're inside a company like this and you see the great people that we work with from day to day, it's really incredible. And um, it's not a bunch of uncaring individuals. It's people who care passionately about what they do and each other and the people around them and growers and everybody that consumes agricultural products. I mean, it's just it's incredible compared to maybe the public image that's out there sometimes. No, I would absolutely agree. And, you know, as a company, do we get it right? 100% of the time, probably not, but I think the motivation and desire is there to improve agriculture. Um, and that honestly is one of the things that I really like about the Bayer Monsanto integration is, you know, when we're talking about these lofty goals, I mean, Bayer is a company that can really impact and make a difference on this type of things. So you're obviously a, a very optimistic person. And looking at the future, what really gets you excited about the future of agriculture? What do you see coming that you know is even more exciting than the normal thing that you see from day to day? You know, I've, I've referenced it a couple of times in our conversation, and I think about the sustainability piece. So certainly climates are, are changing. Things are getting more difficult for us in agriculture. I think about our ability to have more precision in what we're doing. I think about technologies that will allow us to use water more uh, responsibly. I think about technologies that allow us to apply fertilizers and nitrogen more specifically. Um, insecticides, you know, where you can even look at like drone technology where you can have fly a drone and have spot sprays. You know, I think about when I was scouting potatoes way back in the day. It's like you could make a recommendation for them to throw a boom and do the edges if you had some insects pressure on the outside or you would spray the whole thing. I mean, it wasn't so specific that you could target a corner or here. And I think that technology is going to allow us to do that. I think about the use of cover crops. And I know you guys have talked about cover crops on this um, podcast in the past. I mean, Looking at the technologies that's going to allow us to be more sustainable in the future, uh, to me, is very exciting. Perfect. Well, Lisa, we're coming up on time here. Uh, we appreciate your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. This has been great. The views expressed on this program are not necessarily those of the program hosts or their employer.